All right, welcome back to Church Public. You know, I have actually been in the middle of a tech apocalypse. Like all of my technology died last week. The audio wasn't working. The video wasn't working. My computer actually, uh, the screen got cracked. So I'm on a backup computer, which has been super slow and unable to process the video and the audio in the same place at the same time. So I'm giving this another try. I still don't have all of my equipment back from the repair shop. Uh, so we're going to see how this goes and see what happens. But I just wanted to start with a saying that you've probably heard something like, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I heard somebody say that the other day and I thought about it and thought, I don't know. Is that right? Can you be so heavenly minded, your mind so in the clouds that you are not any good on the face of this earth? Or is there something else going on? I wanted to talk about that and a couple other news stories today. Welcome to Church Public. Let's get started. All right, welcome back from the tech apocalypse again. I hope this is going well on your end. On my end, it's been a mess, but we continue on, right? And uh, regardless of whether the technology works or not, we want to get the message out, the message that you can do something in this world, and I believe you can make this world even better. If you haven't checked out some of the other episodes, you can listen to them on iTunes, Spotify, Apple. You can subscribe there. I would appreciate that if you want to leave a five-star rating. I would appreciate that too. You can check us out at churchpublic.com. And if you feel like helping out, you can go to churchpublic.com support. I really appreciate any and all help that you can give. Again, got to get over this tech apocalypse. But beyond that, we just wanted to talk about the phrase, are you or can you be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good? Well, I wanted to examine that and I wanted to see what, you know, God had to say about that. So we're going to look at the Bible here today and we're going to start in Colossians. Paul, the apostle um, wanted to write this letter to the church at Colossae and say, hey, what's going on with you guys? Like, what can we talk about here? And he happens to mention something that I think speaks directly to this statement about being overly minded uh, on heaven and on the things above. So in Colossians 3, he says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. So he's saying, hey, set your heart on things above. He goes on to say, that your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So he says a couple of things there. He says, set your heart on things above. So that is, uh, your heart is representative of your passion, of your um, feelings and your emotions and, and all of those types of things, right? So if you're being swayed by chance, by all of the feelings that you have going on with with this world and and what's going on like are you frustrated with what's going on are you upset are you angry with what's going on in this world are you trying to figure things out and see what this life is all about well paul says what god would have you do is set your heart on things above and then he says set your mind on things above and I like that because that's another part, right? You have your heart, you have your passions, you have your drive, you have your inspiration, and then you have your mind. And your mind tells you, hey, think about what you're supposed to do. Think about the right things to do. Think about the things that help you become a better person, not the things that maybe you just want to do or you flippantly want to do or just you think you will enjoy. 
Instead, just take a moment, think about it. What's the best thing to do? What's the best thing to think about? And Paul says, for God, for a believer, for a believer, you are supposed to set your mind and your heart on things above, not on earthly things. So I think the opposite of this statement is actually true. Not that you're so heavenly minded, you're, so, you're no earthly good, but something like, you're so earthly minded, you're no heavenly good. And I seem to see, I, I would say that I see more of people being so concerned with all of the things that are going on in and around their lives that they just can't get out of that and they can't get out of themselves and they can't get out of their universe and their world. And instead, they should be thinking, well, hey, God has some bigger plans than I probably even understand because God's kingdom is not of this world. And God's kingdom is for eternity. And if I think of the fact that this world is about this long and eternity is like this long, then I may understand that there's a bigger story going on and there's a bigger story planned. So when you think about set your mind on things above and you think about that statement, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Maybe just take that and reverse it sometimes and take it and say, hey, I want to be so heavenly minded that I am earthly good. I don't want to be so earthly minded that I'm no heavenly good. That was probably like too confusing going back and forth. But anyway, as Paul says, set your heart, set your mind on things above because those things of God, those things of God's kingdom, those things from the heart of God and the heart of Jesus are going to help you be good on this earth and do something and do something that is important because we actually do have a job. We're not supposed to just sit around and wait for Jesus to come home. We're excited for that day, but what we're supposed to do is the good works God has prepared in advance for us to do. So what are those? What is in your life that you need to do? Who is in your life that you need to help um, influence, love, share joy, share hope, share peace with? Only you can figure that out, but that's something that you're going to have to determine and see what God has for you. What is that work that God has for you to do in your life? All right, that was the Bible for the beginning. I want to get to a couple of news stories that I thought were interesting and may help us understand the things of this world so that we can bring the heavenly perspective to it. The first is, uh, unfortunately, not in America. I mean, I try to do American things because I'm living in America and that's the thing that affects me most. However, sometimes things from other countries affect us and, and are similar and are things that we really have to examine and figure out. So, for instance, in this particular place, this is a story from our friends to the north in Canada. I have a lot of friends to the north. In fact, I married a person from the north. But beyond that, uh, this is an interesting, sad, tragic story from Canada where a pastor at the church, Grace Life Church near Edmonton, his pastor is Pastor James. He was actually arrested. Uh, what was he arrested for? He was arrested for having church. Yeah, that's really what happened. So he was told, actually, when uh, it first began, when the shutdown first began, he, like many other pastors, like many other churches, for the deference to the unknown, really at that point, right? We were told, we were told, you may or may not remember, that between two and two and a half, maybe more million people just in America or just in North America were going to die. Um, obviously, we're not even close to that number, but the reality is um, this has been serious, but it hasn't been that serious. So when we 
heard that the number was going to be that high. Again, many people shut down. But then, as the news report I read here, he began reopening in June, uh, kind of went back and forth after that, and just believed, as many do, that church is essential. Church is essential not just to us, not just to uh, internal church members, but church is a part of society. And church is a part of society because people are a part of society. That's a lot of why I do what I do, because the character of the individual you, your heart, your character, your choices, your virtue, as we used to call it, or as Aristotle would call it, is really important for all of society. If you are a good person, whatever quotes you want to put on that, if you are a good person and you are contributing to society, then the whole society is lifted to a new level. If you are not a good person, if you have a bad character, if you have bad habits, if you have worse than bad habits, then obviously you don't contribute to society and you potentially even bring society down. For literally thousands of years, the church has been a centerpiece of society where these values of character, of action are passed on. And especially in the church, in the Christian church, ideas like loving other people, even like yourself or better than yourself, are or values to character. So this pastor, I think rightly so, said, hey, we cannot stop meeting because it's so important for us to pass this character on to those that need to hear about it, to need to hear the good news. They need to hear about God. They need to live out the faith that they have. And you have to do that in community and in relationship with one another. So I want to read a quick quote about what he said when things were shut down. And when he was actually arrested, I think it was two times now, and at this point they're deciding whether to just keep him jailed to keep him from doing church. And that's why this story I think is important, and the story is important because if people are beginning to be jailed for doing church, even in another country just north of America, that's a really unnerving thing. And, and again, I don't want to give doom and gloom, but if you're being arrested for trying to do church, then something has gone a little bit wrong in society because church is supposed to be the thing that elevates society, not the thing that brings society down. So I want to read you a quote about what he said and what he uh, wants us to understand about church. He said, quote, we believe people should responsibly return to their lives. Churches should open, businesses should open, families and friends should come together around meals. I'm putting this in, this isn't his quote, this is mine. Like Christmas and Thanksgiving, people should eat those together and be together and be families together. It is important for people to be together. Okay, back to this quote. Otherwise, we may not get these civil liberties back. In fact, some say we are on the cusp of reaching the point of no return. Protect the vulnerable, exercise reasonable precautions, but begin to live your lives again. Continuing the quote. Living life comes with risk. Every time we get behind the wheel of a car, we are assuming a degree of risk. We accept that risk due to the benefits of driving. There are associated risks with COVID as there are with other infections. Human life, though precious, is fragile. As such, death looms over all of us. That is why we need the message of hope, end quote. I completely agree with what Pastor James has said. Life is difficult. And life ultimately ends in death for everyone. That's just the point. 
And every death is tragic. And I have had friends and family who have died. And you mourn those. And yet, if you believe like we believe, and you believe that this life is not the end of everything, there's actually more hope in life. And there's even hope in death because you know that you're going to be face-to-face with God forever. Now, we still want to protect the vulnerable, as he said. We still want to take care of people, but at some level, as you've probably already done for your whole life, you have to assume the risks of life. Driving is inherently dangerous because you're going really fast, and they try to make cars safer and safer and safer. However, it still carries an element of risk, and yet we still drive. I mean, so church, getting back to it, I mean, I think the point of this is church. Church is really, really important. And church is important because we are supposed to connect as people. And, and when that connection is broken, as a society, we also become broken. I have read that the suicides are the highest I think they've ever been recorded, at least very high, at least the highest in a long time, years and years and years, because people who are alone can't handle the weight of depression and the weight of this life. And that is a terrible and tragic thing. And that should not be. And we caused this by closing everything down. And, and that's really sad and it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. The people that have lost the hope, and especially as believers, that we have this hope and we should be giving this hope. It's really frustrating to me because I want people to understand that when you get to that place, When you get to that place when you think all hope is lost, when you think you can't go on, when you think there is nothing left or that no one cares, the reality of God is that he does care. And the failure of the church is that the church is supposed to let people know that God cares. The church is supposed to show people that we care about people. And if we've failed at something, that is what it is. And I I hate that and I don't want that. And I, I want the church to meet and I want the church to bring that hope and I want people to understand the hope that they have in God. So, yes, I think we do have to continue meeting as church. I think it's important that we keep meeting as humans. Humans were not meant to be alone. God said that in the very beginning, the, the very beginning with Adam, when he made Adam and it was good, and, and yet God said, it's not good for you to be alone. And so he made Eve. It's important for us to have community. And the fact is, in this particular situation, a lot of people have lost their community. And that is just a seriously tragic thing. So what do we do about that? Well, I, it's hard. And, and you look at the COVID numbers. I was looking at them the other day. From December, they're down like 70%, 7-0. And we're back to October numbers in some places in America. If it continues on the trend that it's going, which it looks like it will, will be pre-June numbers in a few days, in a matter of days. And yet, in many areas of the country, obviously this was a Canadian example, but in many areas of the country here in America, we're still closed down. We're still not allowed to go certain places. We're still not allowed to do certain things in church or go to movies or go to theme parks or, or do things that are like, what about like going to see live music. Some of us really liked going to see live music and apparently that is over, right? When, is it, when are these things going to come back? And the problem is we're getting no information from the powers that be. I was listening this morning and apparently Fauci said that 
We probably won't be able to get back to normal until at least Christmas, probably 2022. Bill Gates has said uh, it's going to be spring or summer of 2022. 2022. It's February of 2021 right now. We're supposed to wait another year, another year and a half. I mean, literally, what are we waiting for? At what point are we going to do life again? At what point are we going to live in freedom again? Uh, it, it becomes evident that a lot of this lockdown is not based on what they would say is science. It becomes evident this is based on control and wanting something. And, and the fact is, like, this economy is trashed because we've not been allowed to work for many, many people. There are people, of course, that are able to sit back and work on Zoom and, and, and do fine on Zoom. There's a lot of people who are not able to do that. And this is a really sad thing for us to deal with. And then think about the children. The, there are kids who have not gone to school for just about a year at this point, um, at least several months. And I'm, I'm reading reports that many, like many, many kids are failing their classes. And, and it's, it's obvious why. I mean, if I, I'll just speak for myself, right? If at 10, 12, 14, I had to sit in front of a computer all day. I definitely would have failed my classes too. Let's just say that sitting still is not my best thing. Like I, I, I'm not great at sitting still even now, even the Zoom meetings that I have, and the Zoom meeting that I had today. It's hard for me to sit still for an hour or two, much less five, six, seven, eight hours a day for a kid who is, I mean, kids are supposed to run around and play and kids are supposed to socialize with other kids. And, and this is just terrible for kids. And how are we going to ramp them back into learning? Um, and, and there are some avenues like homeschool and other things where kids have just continued learning. And that's fantastic. And, and maybe we'll talk more about education at another time. But my point is, at what point do we help people get back to living and back to being in a community because we are supposed to be in a community. And as you look at something like this church example, it's really important for us to live in, in community and not be isolated and not be alone. So what do we do with that? Well, I, I think it's just important to wherever you can learn to live. And it's important to lean into your friends, your family, and, and those that you can be around and those that are uh, important to you. And, and I think church is really an important thing too. I think you need to plug into a community that believes in the faith that you believe in and can live in this life. The last episode I talked about unity, and I think it's really important that we have unity with those believers that believe like we do. I think it's an important thing. And I think you should take the opportunity to find that community and, and lean into that community and don't give up that community. Um, so I wanted to talk about that church pastor thing, and I just wanted to talk about one other thing too. I think it's important to talk about Texas, and I think it's important to talk about Texas because they've just had a one in a hundred and a hundred and something year storm, and it was terrible, frankly. And power went out, water went out, people were in terribly dire situations, and, and even some people died because of the cold. And that's an absolute disaster, and it's being cleaned up now, and there are, there are many people who are rebuilding and things like that. Um, the reality is, again, it was a once in a hundred and some year storm. So there were things they were not prepared for. 
So there are people on one side of this, the left side, who are saying that if only there had been more renewable resources. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said if we had just gone full on with the Green New Deal, then none of this ever would have happened. And it's statements like that that are just kind of not reality, right? So again, if you've missed kind of what happened in Texas, they ran out of power because it was so cold and things started freezing. Well, the first things that went down when it started freezing were the solar because it couldn't produce solar energy and the wind and, and most of the wind turbines, as, as far as I can read about, got frozen up and, and could not produce the power that the grid depended on. And then because a lot of it was moved over to these renewable sources, that the regular grid, the oil and natural gas, couldn't support the new changes and the new load. And as far as I read, the reason there was more renewable resources is the government subsidized, in other words, gave extra money to those companies that put energy into these renewable things like solar and wind. So when it came to this 100-year storm, unfortunately, they couldn't sustain it. Whereas if they had instead put that literal energy into natural resources like oil and gas, this whole dip would have been much less severe. Now, there were other things that happened, of course, like pipelines froze and, and they couldn't get things to where they needed to go. But what happened was the strain came on so far so fast that the main resources, oil and gas, could not keep up with the demand and nuclear as well. There were some plants that just went offline. That's another point, though, too, when the nuclear plant went offline, and it only went offline as far as I read because uh, some safety valve froze, and so the whole plant shut down. And, and again, that I hear people say that nuclear is super dangerous and it's just going to explode the world and A-bombs and mushroom clouds and this whole thing. But the reality is, in this particular instance, the nuclear plant realized it had a problem, bad safety valve or something, things shut down and nothing happened because it was fine because it is very safe. Um, and that really would have been a great energy resource. Um, but because the money was subsidized and put into renewable like, like uh, wind and solar, there just wasn't enough to go around. So, uh, I mean, certain politicians have said they're going to look into it and make sure this never happens again. I mean, I hope that is the case. I also hope it's the case that this is a one in a hundred year storm and it won't happen again for a hundred years. Now, I lived in a very cold environment. I lived in Michigan for a while where it was minus 20, minus 40. I mean, like ridiculous cold temperatures for a long time. And it was winter for, who knows, nine months. It, it seemed like it, not really, but, but it kind of seemed like it. And it was so cold but they were structured for it and they had the infrastructure to deal with that kind of temperature. Actually, to be really honest, the house that I was in lost power probably once a month, maybe more, because even in that kind of temperature and the structure that they had to deal with it, they still couldn't maintain power sometimes. I, I know that may have been unique to me, but that is what happened to me when I lived there. So cold is just a disaster, right? And, and it's really hard. And Texas doesn't ever get that cold, except for, you know, once in 100 years or whatever. So I think it was important to point this out because you have people saying and, and high-level politicians saying, hey, if you just do this Green New Deal, all your wildest dreams will come true. And the reality is 
when the windmills froze over and they had to spray them with petroleum products to de-ice them and get them going again, uh, more windmills would not have helped that situation, right? And when it was too dark or overcast or frozen and ice covered for the solar panels to make electricity, more solar panels would obviously not have helped that situation. And so to, to say that if you had just gone all solar and all wind and all of this would have been fine, literally like the, the, there's no world where that actually makes sense or works, right? Uh, instead, investing in other resources that can withstand cold is probably a good idea. And I, I would be all for that. And obviously there are some questions that need to be answered and there's some things, but to make it a, a political issue where, hey, Let's make all of this new energy that uh, I was going to say are untested, but that's not really the case. They are tested. And, and in fact, they fail in these extreme weather situations when there's extra high winds. You may or may not know this, like the wind turbines actually cannot operate when the winds are too high. They have to turn them off or slow them down, which is crazy, right? Like, shouldn't it spin faster? Now, I'm not a wind scientist. That's not even a real thing. Uh, I don't have a, great, a degree in aerodynamics, but I, I read about that, and, and that tends to make sense because, I, I mean, if you've ever YouTubed one of those windmills, like, going too fast and kind of like, it's crazy town to, to see that kind of stuff happen. But, but that's the reality, right? There is an ideal circumstance where that operates, and unfortunately, there is a lot of circumstance where it cannot operate. And I'm all for renewable resources. I, I, I want to conserve and I want to do the best I can. I mean, I live in a house right now that has solar, but I also live in a place where it's sunny 300 and some days a year, right? So it totally works and it makes sense. And um, it also doesn't snow here. So it depends where you are. Now, again, Texas caught off guard because it generally doesn't snow there either for the most part, right? In, in most of the areas where it just snowed. So what do you do? Again, I, my point is to say that by transferring everything to solar and wind would have solved the problem. That That's the part that's ludicrous to me. Like, I, I just don't, I, I, I don't see a world where that makes sense. But we want to help the people that were out. We want to pray for the people. We want to pray for loved ones and uh, those that, uh, that have friends and family that lost lives. Like, that is a tragedy. And, and we want to be sensitive to that, but to make it political, that, that was the part that just kind of irked me a little bit. And I just wanted to talk about, and again, the reason this is important and the reason it's important for our culture is you will and are going to hear a lot about these renewable energy, the Green New Deal, climate, and those types of things. And you need to understand what is real and what is really just not reality as far as what's possible and what works and what doesn't work. If we really wanted to invest in a good energy technology, nuclear would really be the best technology because it's much more long lasting and it's much more efficient. And the byproduct in a lot of those situations is warm water. So it, it actually can be incredibly beneficial, but unfortunately it's not in vogue. So we don't talk about it and it's, un, it's unfortunate. So I wanted to bring that to light and, and just talk about a little bit of that. Hopefully you've gotten to the end of this. Hopefully I've gotten to the end of this, because as I mentioned at the beginning, this has been a, a week of techpocalypse for me. Audio didn't work. Video didn't work. And to be flat honest, this is like the third time that I've tried to record this one. So hopefully we've made it to the end all together. And, uh, and that will be just a minor miracle. 
Sometimes things work smoothly, as we've seen. Sometimes things just cannot go right. I don't know how your life is going right now, but I do know that there is a God who cares and there is a God that cares about you. And regardless of whether it's going right or wrong, he still wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants you to love him and he wants you to love others, as we've talked about. So I hope that you can go out and do that today. God bless you. Keep the faith.